you desire to calmly and gently address your child's struggles, but calm and gentle gets lost in the heat of the moment? Do you find yourself at a loss for words when it comes to training and instructing your kids? Or do you find the opposite is true, that you have too many words and none of them are helpful? Well, then we're glad you're joining us for today's episode. I'm your host, Katie Morgan, and welcome to Parenting with Ginger Hubbard. Ginger is the best-selling author of Don't Make Me Count to Three, Wise Words for Moms, and I Can't Believe You Just Said That. She speaks at women's events, parenting conferences, and homeschool conventions across the country. You can check out her parenting resources and find out when she's speaking in or near your area at gingerhubbard.com. And while you're there, be sure to sign up for updates so you'll always know about new podcast episodes. You'll also receive a free gift from Ginger when you sign up. Before we get started on today's episode, here is a quick word from our sponsor. I read something online recently that really pricked my heart. It said, the church should handle adoption and caring for the fatherless like we handle the Great Commission. While not everyone is called to adopt, everyone does play a role in caring for the fatherless. Friends, this is why Ginger and I are thrilled to share more about our sponsor, Lifeline Children's Services. Lifeline believes that adoption is one way that God provides families for vulnerable children who need to know the love of Christ and the love of a family. They walk with foster and adoptive families and provide them with parent coaching, educational services, and professional counseling so they can better nurture and disciple their children. Whether you're a foster or adoptive family who could use support services, or if, like my family, you want to support those who have opened their homes to these precious children, you can find out more at lifelinechild.org. Again, that's lifelinechild.org. Lifeline brings gospel hope to vulnerable children. Well, hey there, Ginger. We're talking today about taming the tongue, uh, but we're talking about our own tongues, right? Because apparently kids like to do what they see their parents do, which is a very frightening thought. (laughs) It is a frightening (laughs) thought, and that's because it is a true statement. Uh, Our kids, uh, they're going to follow many of the examples we set, including the things that come out of our mouths. Mm. And yes, Katie, I'm like you. That is a frightening and convicting thought. Uh, You know, the tongue may be a small part of the body, but God has an awful lot to say about it. It may be small, but it is extremely powerful. As a matter of fact, in the book of James, chapter three, it's compared to a fire, just as a small spark can ignite and destroy an entire forest, so can the fiery darts of the tongue destroy those we love most. However, when used properly, the tongue can produce fruit that heals and comforts and nurtures those we love most. Ginger, that is so humbling to think about. Do we use our words to heal, comfort, and nurture those we love the most? <sighs> that, thank you for the gut punch straight out of the gate. <laughs> <laughs> That's tough. I know, I know. Well, our words, they really do. They have the power to bring blessing or cursing into the hearts of our children. So Mm. obviously, the wise use of the tongue is a key component in successful child training. But you know what? A lot of times... It's so easy to miss the obvious. I once heard a story about Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson that really illustrates just how easy it can be to miss the obvious. Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson were camping in a tent one night, and Sherlock woke Watson up in the middle of the night, pointed up to the stars, and asked Watson what he deduced. Watson yawned and wiped the sleep out of his eyes, and he tried to focus on where Sherlock was pointing. 
And when things finally began to come into focus, he said in his most sophisticated voice, well, astronomically, I deduce there are millions of galaxies and potentially billions of planets. Astrologically, I deduce that Saturn is in Leo. And meteorologically, I deduce that we will have a beautiful day tomorrow. What about you, Sherlock? What do you deduce? Sherlock rolled his eyes and said, Watson. I deduce that someone has stolen our tent. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I've not heard that. Uh, but I'm going to need you to say it all again with an English accent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not going to happen. No can do. But all that to say that sometimes it's just all too easy to overlook the obvious. But as parents, we don't want to overlook the importance of using our tongues wisely for training our children. You see, God has given us a balanced approach for raising our children. And he says that if we do not use his balanced approach, we will exasperate them. Ephesians 6, 4 says, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Well, I think that we can all agree that training and instructing involves the wise use of the tongue. God's balanced approach for disciplining and instructing our kids is designed to do two things. First, it's designed to drive the foolishness out of their hearts. And then second, it's designed to replace that foolishness with wisdom. So that means there should never be consequences without instruction. Okay, say that last sentence again, please, Ginger, because I think most of us are guilty of this, especially in the busyness of everyday life. Yeah. Um, there should never be consequences without instruction. Mm. The whole purpose of discipline is to teach our children the Word of God and how they have violated that Word. It's to teach them how to change. And so enforcing consequences for the wrong without teaching them the right, that can exasperate them and provoke them to fear and anger. And it's not going to result in that inward change we're after. Actually, the fear and anger caused by parents who... Uh, enforce consequences, but fail to properly instruct their children can actually be illustrated with the training of a puppy. So let's consider this analogy. You decide you want a puppy. And so you go and you pick the adorable little thing up when he's uh, just six weeks old. You go to the pound and you pick him out and he's just so cute. He's so small and, and your heart just swells with love and expectations for him as you bring him home. You're determined. He is going to be the perfect puppy because he's going to be surrounded with so much love. And so he comes into your home and for a while, you just can't resist holding him all the time. But eventually, the newness wears off and so you finally put him down. And what does he do? He immediately shows his gratitude. He liquefies the carpet, dumps on the carpet, eats the couch, barks in the middle of the night, and chews holes in your socks. You're not making a very good case for me getting my kids a puppy anytime soon, Ginger. <laughs> I know, Katie. You really had a good thing uh, going before you moved to Georgia. But when you were in Alabama with your neighbors, they let your kids play with their dog. Mm -hmm. And then um, and you got to send them back home at the end of the day. That's, it. <laughs> That's, That's the it. ideal setup right there. That's the best of both worlds. I know. I miss those sweet neighbors. We had a really good thing going with them. <laughs> yeah. Sort of like grandparents spoiling the grandkids and then sending them back home at the end of the day. <laughs> That's exactly right. I know. All right. So back to the puppy. All right. So you've, you've brought him home and now things are getting real. That warm, fuzzy feeling you had when you looked into his eyes has now been replaced with just a little bit of frustration. <laughs> so you decide that you're going to begin the training process and that you're going to start with the part that gets on your nerves the most, the housebreaking part. So you keep an eagle eye on him. And the minute he hikes up that leg to relieve himself, 
You discipline him and tell him no. That's all you do. You discipline him and tell him no. So what's he going to do the next time he feels the urge? Well, he's going to slip off privately, do his business, and then cower while he waits for you to find it. Eventually, you find the mess, you pull him out of the corner, you rub his nose in it, or whatever it is you do to housebreak puppies, I don't even know, and you tell him no again. Next time, he is even more afraid, and he looks for a better hiding place, and he cowers underneath your bed waiting for your wrath, and you wonder what happened to all that cuddle time you used to share, and you wonder why he no longer desires to seek you out and curl up in your lap. You miss the affectionate love that you once shared. But wait a minute, because now things are going from bad to worse. Now some time has passed, and when you find him after he's left another mess, he's no longer cowering in the corner or underneath your bed, but he is boldly showing his teeth and growling at you. You reach out for him, and he snaps at you in anger. It's the same with many children whose parents disciplined them for the wrong, but failed to train them in righteousness. They can grow up angry and bitter and rebellious, and you know, it's no wonder that many of them become more aggressive as they grow into their teen years and start directing their anger toward their parents. I think eye rolling and, you know, like whatever mom is the teenage equivalent to growling like an animal. (laughs) For sure. (laughs) Now, we all know that proper training for the puppy would have been to discipline him for the wrong, but also to show him the right by immediately putting him outside, by providing him with a means of escape. Mm. Discipline without instruction can exasperate and lead to anger. Discipline with instruction is training without exasperating. Okay, please say that last part again, Ginger. I don't want our listeners to miss that. Discipline without instruction can exasperate and lead to anger. Discipline with instruction is training without exasperating. That is so good and just so not our parental instinct. Even if we're not scolding or acting in anger toward our children, when we discipline without instructing them, we're exasperating them all the same. That's right. Again, our whole purpose for disciplining our children is to teach them about their need for God and their need for God to bring about change in their hearts. So for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, we have got to use the Word of God. Because it's the Word of God that trains the soul from an eternal perspective. In The Duties of Parents, J.C. Ryle says, Train with this thought continually before your eyes, that the soul of your child is the first thing to be considered. In every step that you take about them, in every plan and scheme and arrangement that concerns them, do not leave out that mighty question. How will this affect their souls? Mm. Our ultimate goal in everything should be to point our children to Christ. One of the best practices for taming our tongues is for us to think before we speak. James 1.19 tells us that we should be quick to listen and slow to speak. And I just want to say real quick that I'm, I'm always so concerned on this podcast, Katie, that I'm going to come across um, as a know-it-all or as a mom who always did everything right. And I really don't want to come across that way. I know I spend so much time encouraging you guys to use the scriptures for training your kids. And I know that I, you know, a lot of times give practical examples of how I implemented biblical principles as my kids were growing up, which has been a while. My kids are now 27 and 25. 
And I do this because I so desire to motivate you, to help you, and to equip you with biblical principles and the how-tos as far as using the scriptures to reach the hearts of your children. So yes, of course, I love to tell you about the times I got it right, but I want to be just as quick to tell you about the times I got it wrong, Mm -hmm. because I think humility and admitting fault can be used by God uh, just as much, maybe sometimes even more. And so I want to encourage you guys to not make some of the same mistakes that I found myself making sometimes. So when it comes to taming our tongues and being quick to listen and slow to speak, I want to tell y'all about a time that I got it very, very wrong. I don't know if you and your family have jumped on the monthly membership bandwagon, but my family really has. There are several that we get super excited about, but one of my kids' absolute favorites is called Dwell. Dwell is a monthly membership of scripture designs to help you and your family memorize one Bible verse every month. So we have what's called the Family and Friends membership, and it includes a four by five and a half print of the scripture verse, two key cards with the verse, and this is my favorite part, nine temporary tattoos. The designs are just beautiful, and I think this is a perfect Christmas or a birthday gift that doesn't include just more plastic stuff laying around the house. Actually, I have a funny story about my dwell tattoo. I was having dinner with my parents one night, and I had one on my wrist because we were learning John 8.36. Well, my dad saw it and asked if I had a new tattoo on my arm, and I was like, yeah, Dad, I've had this for almost 10 years. (laughs) And he said, well, I never noticed that before. And then I had to confess that I lied to my dad about a fake scripture tattoo. So, you know, don't be like me. To learn more about this wonderful way to help you and your family hide God's word in your heart, go to dwelldifferently.com and use the code GINGER10 to get 10% off your order. Again, that's dwelldifferently.com and use the code GINGER10. One of our most hilarious church moments happened before COVID, you know, back when we were allowed to sit next to people. Well, my son had brought his favorite Lightning McQueen car with him that particular Sunday. We were sitting in the middle of our very large church, so literally thousands of people, when suddenly lightning hit the floor and he rolled and he rolled and he rolled all the way to the front of the church. And then some amazing person at the front, probably a dad, just picked up the car and without even looking back, he just passed it over his shoulder to the row behind him. And that person passed it back and back all the way until lightning was returned and my face was pretty much as red as that car. That story is one of the main reasons I'm so excited to share more about our sponsor, Not Consumed. Not Consumed is a family-owned ministry with dozens of products to help you and your family grow in faith. Their Bible studies for kids and families are amazing and so helpful. I love the one entitled My Brother's Keeper, but my favorite product is the Sermon Notebook. I just love that this is a way for our kids, as young as four years old even, to stay engaged with the sermon rather than distracting the entire church. To find out more about Not Consumed Ministries' incredible catalog of products and to download their free family Bible study, just visit notconsumed.com slash ginger. Again, that's notconsumed.com slash ginger. We have a creek behind our house that has this little bridge that you can cross over to get into the woods. And when my kids were growing up, they loved to cross over that bridge and play in the woods. They had a tree house, they had a swing set, they had trails, all sorts of fun things to do in the woods. But one day they decided that the creek 
looked more intriguing than the woods. And so they indulged themselves in creek activities, which, of Mm -hmm. course, involved getting their clothes all wet and muddy. But they had so much fun playing in the creek that day. And so I decided to play the cool mommy. So instead (laughs) of complaining about the wet and muddy clothes, I enthusiastically listened to all these great adventures that they had had in the creek. Well, naturally, their newfound play area lured them back the next day and the next day and the next day until finally I was willing to forfeit being the cool mommy to have a break from having to wash those wet and muddy clothes every day. And it also hit me that there could possibly be snakes in the creek. So they really didn't need to be playing out there unless I was out there with them. Oh, you live in copperhead country, don't you? Mm -hmm. When we lived in Alabama, we came across a copperhead on the road that had been run over several times and it was still striking at cars. Those things are literally the devil. (laughs) They they are evil. They They are are. evil. And you know, I don't buy all that mess about um, some snakes being good snakes. (laughs) I'm totally with my daddy on that one. He's always said, the only good snake is a dead snake. (laughs) (laughs) He said that a million times. And I don't know why, but Alex, oh my goodness, she has just always had a thing for snakes. Mm -mm. I don't get it. Mm -mm. She grew up very tomboy and she was just as comfortable catching reptiles with the boys than she was playing dress up with the girls. There was this sweet family that lived a couple of streets over from us, the Bazilias, who had several boys close to Alex's age. We, we always refer to them as the Bazilia boys. And I can't tell you how many times she and those boys came running into my house with snakes. I mean, in both uh-huh. hands, all of them. I just freak out. And just every time it just... I, who likes snakes? I, I don't get it. Mm-mm. And I would freak out and they would always say, no, it's fine. You can totally tell which ones are poisonous by the shape of their pupils. <laughs> I'm like, what? if you can see the shape of their pupils, you are way too close. <laughs> okay. Just the name Bazilia sounds like trouble, Ginger. I'm sure they're <laughs> lovely people, but that name is way too close to like Godzilla for me to trust them bringing snakes into my house. <laughs> okay. Anyway, I got us way off track. Back to mean mommy not letting her kids play in the creek because of safety or whatever. Oh, I know. I'm so mean. <laughs> so I, b- I brought both both kids in the house, and I sat them down on the couch, and I pretty much laid down the law. I said, okay, kids, you know, the creek has been great. You guys have had a blast playing in the creek every day, but I've decided it really could be dangerous with you guys playing down there without me, and it's time to stop getting your clothes wet and muddy every day. So, (laughs) we have a new rule. You may not play in the creek anymore. You can cross over the bridge. You can play in the treehouse. You can play on the swing set. Lots of fun things to do, but you may not play in the creek anymore. And so they both said they understood. Well, Katie, it wasn't two days later when here they come traipsing up to the house and Wesley's clothes are soaking wet. Oh, no. Yeah. And so he opened his mouth to speak, but before he said one word, I lit right in. I immediately started rattling off how he had disobeyed me. I said, I told you you were not allowed to play in the creek anymore, and you have chosen to completely go against my instructions. And because you have disobeyed, you're not going to be allowed to play outside at all for three days. On and on and on I went. And when I finally finished unloading both barrels and shut my yap trap, yap trap. I looked down, (laughs) I looked down and there was this look of total exasperation on both of their little Mm. faces and through tears and a quivering lip, 
Wesley began to explain how they were crossing over the bridge to play in the woods and how Alex was bouncing her little teddy bear along the railing and then how she accidentally dropped her teddy bear over the railing and he landed face down in the creek. And he said, Mom, Alex was so upset and she was crying. He's going to drown. Wesley's going (laughs) to (laughs) And he said, and mom, I I know you told us not to go in the creek anymore. And and I really didn't want to disobey. He said, but Alex was just so upset. And, and I tried to think of what you would want me to do. And mom, I just really thought you'd want me to get her teddy bear for. Stop. That is heartbreaking. (laughs) No, it was like a knife to my heart. I was wrong. And I had to ask them to forgive me for not listening to them before I jumped to conclusions. Mm-hmm. Proverbs eighteen thirteen says, he who answers before listening, that is his folly and his shame. Shame on me. Well, so you said that one of the best practices for taming our tongues is for us to think before we speak. Okay, mm-hmm. but how? Like literally, how do we slow our minds down enough to do that? How do we turn off that instinctive response and think before the anger just comes spilling out? Well, it takes prayer. It takes patience and it takes practice. The, mm. the three P's, the big P's. <laughs> um, taming our tongues is not an easy task. It's in our nature to speak before we think, but that's actually contrary to what God calls us to do. He says that we are to listen before we answer and that we're to weigh our answers. And both of those commands require that we think before we speak. These commands require the patience and selflessness of putting others first, of putting what other people have to say above what we have to say. Mm. The more we pray and ask God to help us in this area, the more the Holy Spirit will remind us to do it. It's a spiritual discipline. And just like anything, the more we practice it, the better we get at it. So prayer, patience, and practice. I like that. Okay, so now that we've talked about how not to respond in anger, Ginger, please tell us what to do when we inevitably make a B-U-T-T of ourselves because it's (laughs) a complete waste of breath, in my opinion, if someone just says sorry and offers no further explanation. So can you tell us what a genuine apology looks like? I encourage three steps for asking for forgiveness. First, we want to admit and pinpoint what we did wrong. So my admitting and pinpointing with the story I just told you was simply saying, what I did was wrong. The angry way that I just spoke to you, it dishonored you and it dishonored God. Second, we want to discuss what we should have done instead. And so I said, you know, I should have listened to you before I jumped to conclusions, and I should have spoken to you with self-control and respect instead of lashing out in anger. And then third, we want to ask for forgiveness. So I just simply asked, will you forgive me? And, you know, just on a side note, it's really better when we don't put a but behind our apologies. Mm. When we say, I'm sorry, or will you forgive me, but... I only did this because you did that or whatever else excuse we want to give. That pretty much negates the whole apology and typically puts the other person on the defensive. That's such a good point, Ginger. We should be careful with our use of the word but in our conversations. So, I mean, using but can really make us seem like a but. That's a a t-shirt idea. 
Write it down. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We do not say B-U-T-T gender. We just don't. Okay, I'm totally keeping a running list of all of your t-shirt ideas. What was that other one? It was it was something about cheese whiz. What, what was I that? have no idea. That's why I say write it down because you know my memory's worse than yours. <laughs> gender. Okay. I apologize for using such base humor on today's podcast. I should have thought through my responses instead of jumping at the opportunity to use the word B-U-T-T on several occasions. Will you please forgive me? How'd I, how'd I do? <laughs> A plus, Katie. A Good. plus. I'm just glad you didn't use the King James version of the word. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think the main reason that it's so hard for us to humble ourselves and apologize and ask for forgiveness is because, like I said, it, it just doesn't come naturally to us. By nature, we have a tendency to look for ways to excuse or justify our sins, but God calls us to be humble and to focus on the planks in our own eyes instead of the mm-hmm. specks in the eyes of others. And you know what I found? Like, even in my marriage relationship with Ronnie, if I say, well, I'm sorry, but you said, no, 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 no. And that's why I said what I said. You know, nine times out of 10, that puts Ronnie on the defensive and winds up leading to an argument over who started in the first place, like (laughs) 12-year-olds. Or even if we both do admit some wrong, we, you know, want to get out our measuring sticks as to whose sin was worse. Ginger, I hate it when Ronnie says, no, 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 no. (laughs) It's the worst. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) I also found that nine times out of 10, if I just admit my own fault and ask for forgiveness for what I said, Mm -hmm. and I try not to justify my own sin or blame shift by putting that but at the end of it, usually Ronnie will match that humility and admit his own fault. Mm -hmm. Then we wind up in in a humility war (laughs) over who gets to actually (laughs) take the blame. No, No, I'm sorry. No, (laughs) it's me. It was my fault. No, it was more my fault. No, really. When we humble ourselves and ask for forgiveness, we honor God. And in return, God honors our humility and He works in us and through us to change lives, which brings uh, joy and peace to our relationships. We can never go wrong with humility. When we take responsibility for our own sins against others and ask for forgiveness, God is glorified, regardless of how the other person responds. I just love that, Ginger. It it makes me actually think of some advice our friends gave us at one of our wedding showers. They had been married for a while, and they said that they try every day to out-bless each other. Mm. And I realize now how much harder that is than it was (laughs) earlier in our marriage, you know, back when I was still shaving my legs all the time. (laughs) And my dad just tuned out. There we go. (laughs) We dropped him. Uh, In all seriousness, though, sacrificing our own desires is one of the most humbling and sanctifying things we can do in any of our relationships. Mm -hmm. And I think that's especially true when it comes to the words we say. It's just so tempting to get in that last word or to prove that we're right or to throw around sarcasm. Um, And I feel that temptation in my relationship with my husband and my children. It's so difficult to put aside my desire to speak my mind when it's not necessary or kind. And actually, there's a cool acrostic uh, that I gave each of my kids that is the word think. And you know, the word think is written long ways. It's written vertically. And every letter represents a different word that we should consider before we speak. So the T in think represents, is it truthful? Then Mm. is it helpful? Is it inspiring? Which that one always makes me laugh because plenty of things that are necessary to say aren't inspiring, but Mm, I guess they needed to find something for the I spot. Uh, Next is N, is it necessary? And then is it kind? 
those last two get me. Is it necessary for me to say what I'm about to say, even if it's true? Mm. So I just love that little graphic. Mm-hmm. I do too. And necessary. Yeah, that's the one that got me as well. Let's definitely put that in our show notes because yeah. that is super helpful. Mm-hmm. I love that. Okay, Ginger, this has been such a kick in the tail um, or in the tongue, <laughs> I guess you could say. Uh, but that's a good kind of pain. The conviction of the Holy Spirit is always a good kind of discomfort mm-hmm. or pain. Mm-hmm. Uh, so how about leaving us with a word of encouragement? As James 119 tells us, let's all be quick to listen and slow to speak. Let's be quick to pray and slow to anger. And as we ask God to help us in these areas, may He use our obedience to Him to tame our tongues to reach the hearts of our children for His glory. Thank you, Ginger. And thank you, listeners, for joining us. If you enjoyed our show and want to hear more, please subscribe to our podcast wherever you're listening today. And while you're there, can you leave us a rating or a review? This just helps us get the word out about our podcast so that other parents can be encouraged to reach the hearts of their children. Do you have a parenting question? Well, we would love for you to submit it at gingerhubbard.com slash askginger, and we'll do our best to answer it in a future episode. And while you're on the website, you can find our show notes, which will include links to anything we mentioned in today's episode. While you're on gingerhubbard.com, you can also find Ginger's wonderful resources that will help you get to the heart of outward behavior and address it from a biblical perspective. So today we're offering her parenting book, I Can't Believe You Just Said That, Biblical Wisdom for Taming Your Child's Tongue at a 10% discount when you use the code parenting at gingerhubbard.com. If you'd like daily encouragement and parenting advice from Ginger, be sure to follow her on Instagram at ginger.hubbard. Thank you so much for joining us today. We look forward to being with you again next week. Until then, may God bless you as you seek to reach the hearts of your children for the glory of God. Once upon a time, there was a homeschooling mom named Shaparella who had a problem. She loved buying shiny new books, all the books, and she especially loved buying new curricula for her mice. This isn't a perfect analogy, but just hang with me. Unfortunately, she sometimes spent money on books and curricula that just didn't fit. Kind of like trying to shove a glass slipper on her stepsister's janky feet. But what Shaparella really needed was a team of fairy curriculum consultants named Janice, Deanne, Sarah, Gina, Ruth, and Judy. Yes, these are their real names. To help her make good curriculum choices. Thankfully, Shaparella found Rainbow Resource Center. Rainbow Resource Center is a family-owned business serving the homeschool community since 1989. Basically, they've been around since uh, Shaparella was very, very young. Even if you don't homeschool, Rainbow Resource Center is a wonderful place to get educational gifts for kids of all ages. You can sort their huge catalog of resources by grade and by subject to get the best educational products for your family. But hurry, because on the stroke of 12, everything will be as it was before meaning you can get their great prices all day, every day at rainbowresource.com. Again, that's rainbowresource.com and get free shipping on orders over $50 and live happily ever after the delivery truck arrives.